Welcome to the Tegok Warriors podcast. Uh, this is the Fighting Stripes podcast for all things Korean national team. I'm your host, Michael Welch. We've got a great episode for you today. This is going to be our review of the January transfer window. We're going to preview the second half of the European season. Uh, so with me, I've got my friend Albert calling. How you doing, man? Yo, yo, yo. Happy New Year's. As the Koreans would say. Yeah, just trying to get into the swing of 2023 yeah, it's, i think it's been a while since i've been on this pod right it's like a few months yeah it feels like a few months my man yeah this is actually i mean thank you so much for saying happy new year because this is the first one we've recorded where it's actually the new year last oh, yeah. one we recorded like late december mm-hmm. so happy new year guys i think we should just get into it right man let's do it all right i've got a couple like topics on the uh transfer window section uh I'm just going to let you direct the conversation. Which of the first stories do you want to talk about? I mean, I feel like we should start with just the big the big enchilada in the room, right? Um, Chelsea, you know, just spending money like candy. I, I just... The thing, like, I've we talked about before with this, like, but by now, most football fans know, like, how much money they've been spending. It's just for me, like, I, I questioned in our group chat, too. I was like, how are they making all this money? And I, I really think that Todd Bully and his consortium are really just playing FIFA or Monopoly. And I, I really don't think they understand what it's like to build an actual squad, but it's been interesting to see. And I feel like that's what's been dominating the headlines. So we should start out with that. Yeah, I mean, like, it's kind of crazy to think about, but they they clearly have a lot of money. I mean, they're, they're backed by a large venture capital hedge fund in the U.S. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. they have a lot of it. Uh, mm-hmm. But the thing that, like, we're going to have to see what happens is how are they going to comply with UEFA's rules on spending and the Premier League's rules on spending? Like you can't mm-hmm. just sort of do some crazy accounting mm-hmm. that makes all your contracts very long. And then that's how you say that you haven't overspent. And that's how you say you haven't spent past your actual revenues. Um, we're just seeing that Man City was charged with a whole host of financial breaches by the Premier League. So right. you would think that somewhere down the line, Chelsea would be in a similar issue unless they actually have massive, massive sponsorship and yeah. ticket revenue and all these different things, which it just doesn't well, seem like you have. So I mean, as, as we saw, even if you have quote-unquote massive sponsorship or revenue, um, a lot of these clubs have been caught kind of cooking the books and even lying about how much sponsorship money they've been receiving. Uh, I think I remember Gab Marcotti reporting earlier today or yesterday that Man City is in trouble because um, they've been kind of um, overestimating and lying about how much sponsorship money they've been receiving from these different companies, uh, when in reality it seems like the owner of their club was just uh, funneling money to those companies and saying, hey, just say that sponsorship money and send it back to the club and we'll use that to reinvest and um, buy players. Um, so like just in this world of, you know, um, hyperinflation, I I just feel like there is no legal or morally responsible, fiscally responsible legal way for, uh, these English clubs to spend the money that they've been spending. And you're right. I I really think that Chelsea will be hit with something, um, soon, maybe not this year, but maybe in a few years down the line, um, it's just too much money. Um, they spent how much, like almost a billion dollars, I think. Um, in total, since Bully's taking over the club, it's 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 insane money, and I just think that stepping inside the money and like the the legality of it all, I, I just it, it seems like he's throwing darts at a board and just trying to see what'll stick. I mean, some of these signings to me don't don't make much sense, uh, especially the prices. Uh, Jao Felix, who I think is a very good player, isn't what they need. They need a striker. They need someone to finish. They don't need more dribblers to take on players one on one. And it, it just seems like they've really kind of lost their way. And I think. Um, another club in London, which you support, is probably very happy to see that. I mean, I'm very happy to see them sort of spending their way into oblivion. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It doesn't really seem like, I guess my take on it or like my understanding of it is I think they're just buying whatever they think is popular, whatever they think other people want, mm-hmm. whatever they think is, you know, popping, uh, whatever players on form. I don't think it has a real... Uh, analysis of what they actually need or what would actually make their team better mm-hmm. and you sort of see it on the pitch right they're about mid-table uh, they're not really looking all that great they're struggling to beat teams that they sh- usually would beat when yeah. they had a better coach team or a more cohesive team so 
I don't know. They're just spending well, I, a lot of money, and what's it going to do? I mean, they might end up canning Potter and sacking his staff, and that's going to cost a few more million dollars. Um, I saw a report yesterday that, that linked Luis Enrique, uh, the former Spain manager, to the Chelsea job. If if Potter is sacked, that's going to cost a boatload of money to convince that guy who's the top manager to come over to London. So it, it really seems like Bully took over this club with not kind of a again i don't want to say this like it, it 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 feeds into stereotypes but i think he thought that he could run this club the way he helped run the la dodgers of course he's not the main decision maker with that with that team but it really seemed like he could americanize and bully his way like jerry jones's way almost in, into becoming the manager of chelsea um and i think he's kind of in for a rude awakening especially if he decides to fire potter who i think deserves more time um but yeah they they just they Long story short, they just don't know what they're doing, I think. And it's it's hilarious to see as a Bayern fan. I love it, man. Chelsea, you can suck as long as you can get relegated for all I care. I would love to see Chelsea fans in pain. Just the most annoying, uh, just vile, mean-spirited fans, I think, in all of England. And I, I just love it when they're bad. I love it. All right. I like that you brought up Bayern because I, I do have something to ask you about them a little bit later yes. in our uh, second half of this show. But for yeah. now... Um, this is a Korean football podcast, so let's get into mm. some like sort of transfer news relating to Korean players. So there's, I yeah. think, four things that I wanted to talk about or like discuss yeah. broadly. Uh, we can do Igangin, we can do Oh Hyungyu slash Cho Kyusung, and then let's uh, we can also talk about Hwang Ijo as well. All so right. what do you think we should talk about first? Well, let's do the transfer that's that's already happened. That's set in stone. Oh Hyungyu, right? Um, you want to you want to take the detail? You can go for the details. Yeah, tell tell the listeners what happened. I think overall, like their first move, Celtic was to look at Chogu Sung because he was kind of an it star. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had had a really good World Cup. They took a look at him, and I think they made an offer, but it didn't turn out being an offer that Jumbokyun they liked, and so they actually moved on to his other, like the other young Korean striker from yeah. the K League was at the World Cup. Yeah, Oh Hyung Gyu was in hot form at the end of the 2022 season. Yeah. Good enough to earn a, a you know a call to the squad for the warm up in the World Cup. He did mm-hmm. not make the World Cup team, but right. Paolo Bento liked him so much that he kept him there for the entire tournament as right. their like training squad guy, right. just do it all guy. And which never happens, which is weird. Like yeah. that never happens for any team. So he's got to be good, right? And Celtic just sort of were very determined. They decided they wanted to sell mm. a, to sign a Korean striker, and they they made it happen. Mm-hmm. So he's already played and, twice, which is great. And by the way, he's another kid who's did his military service early. He played for the military club during COVID from 2020 to 2021, so he doesn't have to worry about going back to Korea for for Kunde, which is another big reason I think why Celtic wanted to sign him right now. Um, but yeah, for those who don't know, Oh Young Gyu um, is kind of the next hot Korean striker besides. Cho Song, who we all saw at the World Cup. You know, this guy could actually be the one who possibly becomes the starting number nine for Korea in 2026. It's a long way away, but I think he's good enough and he has the potential to supplant Cho Song in that position. Um, but yeah, it, it, it never really seemed like to me that uh, Chambu Kyunde were too serious about making a deal for uh, Cho Song in the winter, especially with, you know, the start of the K-League season coming up because the K-League, obviously, they, um, they have a weird schedule where the new season is going to start in the new year, right? that doesn't roll over from the fall. Um, so they don't want to like lose their main guy um, in the beginning of the season. And I, I think, honestly, when you're dealing with Chambu Kyunde, um, obviously run by conglomerates and Chebols, we all know what I think of them. It's not the most easy negotiation for sure um, in terms of the money. Um, and I, I think the fact is that Cho- oh, oh Young-gyu, um, yeah, lesser known name, but I think um, the I think Suwon Samsung were, were a bit more um, kind of open to selling him, I think. And even they're run by Chebols, but I just think that Chumbuk, you know, being top of the league and being kind of the premier team in the K-League was a lot more hesitant uh, to let their main guy go. And that doesn't mean I think Cho is not going to go. I think he's gone in the summer, um, but now he's not going to go to Celtic for sure. I think it's more likely that he probably moves to somewhere like Germany. Um, you know, over the winter break, we saw reports linking Cho Kyusung to Minnesota in the MLS. Um, you know, I, I'm an American. I, I love my country, but man, going to Minnesota was... that That wasn't it. So... Uh, it, all things considered, it worked out for the Korean strikers, and I'm happy Cho stays for you know at least another six months here, and then yeah, man, make the big splashy move in the summer, um, in the off season. Well, there'll be there'll be more attention on it anyway. 
Yeah, I mean, I think there's two reasons why Jumbo Hyundai didn't sell. I think mm-hmm. they want to keep their star guy mm-hmm. uh, because they're trying to win back the K-League title. They don't yep. usually lose the K-League title, so yep. they want to get off to a good start and be in first place when they sell him, probably. That's that's one thing. Yep. I think the second thing is they wanted a flashier name. They yep. want to sell to a flashier name. They wanted a higher price, right? Yep. So they got like maybe a two million ish offer from Celtic. Mm-hmm. They also mm-hmm. got like probably a two million euro ish offer from from Mines, which is where mm-hmm. EJ Song plays. Mm-hmm. And then their biggest offer was actually from Minnesota, which was like mm-hmm. probably five or six million. Mm-hmm. And I think at the end of the day, where Europe is now is mm-hmm. that some mid table clubs or like some mid tier leagues or like the mid tier clubs in the Bundesliga big five leagues, they can actually now at this point sometimes be outbid by MLS clubs because yeah. I think MLS actually does have a lot of money. Um, yeah. You know, it's an American league that has a lot of money with a lot of good ownership groups, right? Yep. So if your biggest offer is from MLS, I think that that probably wasn't splashy enough for them. I think they'll wait. Uh, the summer market is always when more clubs are willing to spend and they'll get a better offer from a bigger club that would more satisfy what they want. I think they probably are looking for like five to 10. And yeah. if they were only getting five million from MLS, they were like, uh, let's just pass. And that's probably a good choice for him in his career anyway. Like, I don't think that any Korean striker has ever mm-hmm. played in the MLS. So it could work, but yeah, obviously Europe's better still. Yeah, no, historically, uh, Koreans have not played well in the MLS. Hwang Im-bom and Kim Moon-han come to mind. They didn't really have fruitful times in uh, Canada and California, respectively, where they played. Um, and, but one thing I will say about Cho Gi-sung, I, I think this probably is good for him to bet on himself, but you know, there is the slight possibility, however small, of him having that you know post-World Cup hangover where you, know, you see the guy emerge on the international scene and then just absolutely take a dump when he comes back to his club and if that happens then he probably won't be able to move in the summer um but i think he's good enough and motivated enough to let that not happen uh but he really has to use these like this remaining chunk of time um to show out for potentially a better move because you know the clubs he was linked to were not bad but i think given his physicality and and his his height um i think if he really balled out i i would love to see maybe a mid to bottom table epl team even putting in a bid for him maybe he's not good enough for the premiership yet but you never know i I think he's unlike many korean strikers we have he's actually a real target man um so yeah the the main hope here is like you said that a better team comes in and also for chumbuk the hope is that a better team with more money comes in all right i have like one last question related to chogu sung yeah do you think that this was actually what he wanted or was it more that the technical director that was in charge of this transfer, who is actually a KNT legend, Park Ji Sung himself, yeah. you think this was what what he wanted? I th- I think for Joe, I I I don't really see him as a very calculating guy, and I, I don't mean that he's not smart. I just mean like he wanted to move, he wanted to move. Like he was simple. Like I wanted to leave, I want to leave. Uh, for Park Ji Sung, I think that he was much more careful on the way he planned these negotiations. I, I believe that. I don't have sources, but I believe that probably the higher ups in Chumbuk Hyundai gave him a certain set of instructions and said, okay, you're not selling uh, below this price. Like, this is the minimum you have to get. And I, I have a feeling maybe that um, none of these teams, except for maybe Minnesota, um, offered the amount that they were willing to sell for. And I think on, ultimately that's what led to these negotiations breaking down. Um, I believe he does act independently, but I still believe he's controlled by a lot of people at the top of the board. <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense. And I think the other thing with Oh Hyungyu at Suwon Samsung, that's a club that's a little bit more known for being a selling club, a little yeah. bit more known for being a club that prides itself on its academy that can develop, right? They call themselves the home of football in Korea, right? So Whatever that means. You know, so. I think that that's probably more of a selling club. And then Jumbook's like, we got to get our deal. Yep. I mean, we saw this with Kim Min Jae as well. They only sold him when... Beijing Guoan came in with a huge record bid for a Korean player. So exactly. you know, that's kind of how it is. It is. Oh, yeah. If you don't watch Korean soccer, you can think of uh, Chumpa Hyundai, like the poor man's New York Yankees, I guess, or the, I don't know, the Bayern Munich of Korean soccer. Um, they obviously haven't won as many prestigious titles, but yeah, they're considered the top dog or one of the t- top two or three dogs in the K League. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And we will also, like, in the next couple of weeks, we'll try to have a K-League preview where we really just sort of interview an expert and 
learn a little bit about the playing styles, the players of all the teams so that you can sort of learn about the K-League, learn where to watch it and see if you guys are going to be interested in it. But for now, um, another thing that I kind of want to talk about is, okay, a transfer that did not happen, but maybe the player or his representatives wanted it to happen was Igangin moving away from uh, Real Ma- uh, RCD Mallorca. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? Yeah, you know, I, I really think from the media reports that I saw, it, it seemed like there was a bit of a cat and mouse game going on, um, especially when the kid unfollowed <laughs> Mallorca on Instagram. I'm, I'm not sure if he still follows them anymore. I, I think he stayed on following them. Um, it just goes to show you the mind games that were being played. And I, I think that for him, Mallorca had no intention of selling him, especially after the World Cup. I think they wanted to keep him and then sell him for an even bigger fee in the summer. Um, but I think the kid is kind of growing impatient. He's been in Spain for a while. And from the reports that I saw, um, teams like Brighton were calling, and I, I think he thought of he thought of this as his chance to jump ship, basically, and leave earlier as soon as possible. And to me, it sounds like he really wants that move to England or to a higher table team in Spain. I also believe Atletico Madrid were, were linked to him as well. So I, I think for him, this is a case of maybe a little impatience uh, mixed in with the fact that he was finally able to make his mark with the um, KNT. And I, I think that, unfortunately, it seems like his relationship with Mallorca has soured, but I know they played a game recently, and I, I don't, I didn't hear of any off-field issues with him. He seemed to have played normally, and nothing happened. So maybe things have died down, but this is definitely a, a situation that we'll probably hear a little more about in the summer if like some rumors or some verif- unverified stuff floating around. Yeah, I mean, who knows what, what goes on between players, their manager, their teammates, and then the fact that they all have, each of them have a bunch of representatives, agents, managers, all that stuff, you know, like just milling about, right? Mm-hmm. I don't blame him at all for getting his head turned. I mm-hmm. think that, you know, he's kind of been a player that both at Valencia and now at Mallorca, he is a very good player, but he's never really been playing on great teams. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that he was just kind of interested in doing, right? Yeah. It's not really yeah. the best team right now that he's playing on. He's mm-hmm. one of the best players. It's not the most fluid attacking team that sort of suits him. So he was like, oh, wow. And actually a, a, a team that is playing very well right now, Brighton on very good form are looking at me. Uh, I'm interested in that. And also in terms of like the Instagram thing, I'm not super certain that he did that. <laughs> I just feel like, you know, like when you're about as big of an athlete as he is, yeah. I don't think you have control over who you follow on the IG. I think maybe. you can like you like I think you get the picture sent to you. I think you can maybe like have the app and you can like sort of scroll and have fun and comment, right? And you probably mm-hmm. get the picture sent to you for like when they're scheduling posts for you, right? Mm-hmm. Or whatever mm-hmm. they're scheduling your sponsor posts, right? But I don't think he's like unfollowing people right i don't think he's like you know getting in the dms of anybody i, I think that that's his manager so but but he probably you know. still gives the final approval to like what his managers propose right like they're not just gonna unfollow yeah. the club and not t- that's i mean so you know you're right about that mike I, I agree with you in the fact that he the kid has like what over 900k followers right now close to a million so he's he definitely has somebody managing it he just doesn't just you know he doesn't do it all by himself for sure um, but uh, and go, I just go back to the tactical point you made. Like you're right. Um, if you watch the way he played over even at Valencia before he made the move to Mallorca, he the kid's been basically playing behind the ball for a few years now. He hasn't really been in a possession based team where he's really allowed his talents to flourish. Um, a lot of times he's been playing out wide as a makeshift winger or even like as a secondary striker. So he's been played out of position. Um, he hasn't been getting as many touches as he wants on the ball. And when he gets touches on the ball, he really has to make the most of it because his team usually sees like what less than 40% of possession every game. So it, I, you can see where the frustration comes in, especially because he grew up in Spain, which the whole point of Spanish football is, you know, to dominate the ball possession, tiki taka, right? Pass the opponent to death. And he wasn't able to do that for a long time and he's fed up and he's young and he's hungry to prove himself makes total sense as to why he'd be pushing for a move right now. And I think also hopefully he's smart enough to just sort of put his head down, make peace with everybody at the club for now and just sort of say like, okay, the transfer this January did not work out. Obviously Mm -hmm. the offers weren't to your liking or it wasn't to pay the release clause. That's fine. I would have liked you guys to have looked at it, but it's fine. And Mm -hmm we can now go for a top half finish in this, in yeah. this season, which, I mean, they just pulled off a 
shock 1-0 win over Real Madrid, which is freaking crazy. Yeah, so. Real are in trouble right now. Yeah. And I think, honestly, for him, like, he's he for what it's worth, even if the system in Mallorca hasn't been great for his personal stats, I, I think he's in a place where he's been able to develop a bit and uh, mature as, as a player. Um, you know, some other parts of his game defensively have gotten a lot better over the past few years, and I, I think that he's still young. Just Just wait until the summer. You'll have more options, and then you can make a decision. Because I'm telling you right now, um, Brighton is probably not going to be the only team interested in him in England come the summer. I saw Aston Villa also was interested. I, I would mm-hmm. hazard a guess that the list of teams interested in him will probably be around like three to five in England. So yeah, yeah. at least I would say. Yeah, yeah. So and then obviously you got. I would say other big leagues are also going to be looking at him. I don't think that say, like maybe. Even Serie A teams could be looking at him just yeah. because they see, oh, Kim and Jay's doing great in this league. Mm-hmm. What if we recruit a Korean player? So the market well, will be there I, in the summer for sure. I, I can see every league, the German league, the Italian league, um, England. But I think, honestly, like the only thing he has an interest in, I think it would either be staying in Spain or going to England. I, I personally don't think the kid wants to go to Italy or Germany. So yeah. mm-hmm. Makes yeah. sense. Yeah. All right, so our last big Korean move was something that i think ended up actually like alan and june and i talked about this in our last episode we thought that it would get end up being that huangi joe would have to go back to the k-league and that's what he yeah. did he signed for fc soul that is not his former k-league club his no. former k-league club is Sungnam fc mm-hmm. and they're obviously in the second division so yeah, I don't they... think that was a place he wanted to sign at this point but no he will be there for six months how do you think yeah, that's I gonna mean... go I mean, a lot watch- is, I mean, listen, dude, a lot has changed since since he left Korea. Um, yeah, welcome back, uh, FC Seoul. It's like what, like a fifteen minute bike ride from my house, the stadium. So, I could literally just get up and see him anytime I want to. I don't, I don't, I don't really think I want to though. I mean, listen, I'm I'm not the biggest Hongi Joe hater. That's you. That's the resident. Mm-hmm. You're the resident Hongi Joe hater. Yeah, um, me. but just his drop in form since. It's it's not even been like six months. It's been since like last summer, since this dude has not been playing well. Last time I saw him live was in the Costa Rica game back in June of last year, June or May, and he was terrible then. He's even worse now because the dude hasn't played at all. I, I just I don't, I don't know what's happened to him. I just think that he was in Greece right for a little bit, or yeah, he went to Greece. Um, he was doing well in France, and he went to Greece. The weird moved Nottingham. And nodding him, loaning him to Greece, and then just completely falling off the map. I just really think that was the worst possible transfer decision he could have made, and now he's paying the price for that. And unfortunate reality is he's entering his thirties, and um, you know he hasn't. He's barely played football this year. Yeah, I think he's played less than ten club matches this year. So he had to make the move back here. And to be honest, it's probably the end for him of the national team. And I think this just is the beginning of him becoming just another average k-league player who had a little run in europe and had to come back once his powers Mm -hmm. diminished and that's that yeah i think you know we'll see what kind of striker he is in his 30s uh the k-league has a rich history of offering korean strikers in their 30s a platform to play Uh, we've seen it with someone like pak Joo-young. we've seen it with the lion king himself Lee dong-guk we see it still with iguno um, mm-hmm. so yeah but those guys no never opportunities for him they never really ca- ever came back as meaningful players in the national team though so like well i, I, I think mean f- obviously i don't think he should be a meaningful player in the <laughs> anymore. Well, yeah i mean yeah. <laughs> we already have our two we've already filled our two two striker quota um in terms of you know the fact that i find it hilarious though that like the kfa always um defines strikers as only like number nine slash or target guys, so they only name like yeah. one or two. Even though yeah. so many of their players uh, in the midfield actually play quite attacking roles, right? Like mm-hmm. it'll be like f- like ten to twelve midfielders, and then just two strikers. That's yeah, kind of funny, but we have the, those two spots filled for now. So I think you know, and there's there's younger guys even below the Oh Hyun Gyus and the you know Cho Gyu Sungs of the world. There's younger guys that are coming up and some of them might be in Europe as well. So I don't necessarily think oh, he needs to play a huge For sure. And, and and shoving aside Hwang Yi Joe, it's time to transition some of these guys off the national team. Like we thank them for their service and they played well in Qatar, but I think some guys, including the older Chung Yong, maybe guys like Kwon Chang-un, um, should probably 
be at least given a rest, I think, for the next set of internationals. And we should try to call up some little more unknown guys to get them more familiar um, with the national team as we start a new cycle. Um, it's it's going to be really important that we have fresh blood coming in every four years because you keep relying on old guys and usually it does not go well. So, Yeah, I think we have to say we probably got about as good as we could have gotten out of the core that we took to Qatar. I think absolutely, you know, they, we got the best we could. Yeah, they hit their cap for sure. All right, this is going to be really fun. I, I don't, I don't know how this one is going to go, but let's do this. Let's talk about some second half predictions. So we're going to talk Premier League. We might talk a little bit of the Champions League. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to grill you on Bayern Munich, yeah. and then we'll kind of go from there. But let's start with the Premier League because I think that's the league that people watch the most in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Who will make the top four? Ooh. Make your prediction. Man, you want me to go first? Um, yeah. Looking at the table right now. You know, I, I don't see Arsenal and Man City moving from the top four unless Man City gets a points deduction. But right now I'm assuming that they won't be punished for that. So I have Arsenal, Man City finishing top four. That's a lock. Uh, Man United, too, with Ten Hag has really revitalized that project. I, I don't see them slipping. Um, I know Casemiro got a red, so he's out for the next three games. But I, I still think they have enough, especially with Sabitzer coming in, to, to kind of stabilize that midfield till he comes back. Um, which leaves the last, you know, the fourth spot to either Newcastle, Tottenham, or maybe Brighton. I, I, I don't think Chelsea and Liverpool are making top four this year. I just think that this year's a wash for them. Um, I don't really trust Newcastle either. They're they're draw merchants, but just the style of football that Antonio Conte has been playing with Tottenham has been so bad that even as a casual Spurs fan, I, I hate to say this, but I still think Newcastle hold on to that fourth place finish. And I think Tottenham finished around five or six this year. So. All right. I'm, I'm going to disagree. And I'm, I'm just going to preface this by saying that this is um, in my mind as a premier league fan uh, with my biases as an Arsenal fan in, <laughs> in context, this is the top four I would like to see. Uh, Arsenal, Man City, Newcastle, and then Tottenham Hotspur. Mm-hmm. But what do you think like, you're going to see? I I probably agree with you. I think it's going to stay the same. Yeah. I don't know. Like Tottenham just beat Man City, but they always do that. Yeah. So, like, what does that really matter? Do, are they going to over the next 16 games? Are they going to keep it consistent enough that they're going to get to about 70 or 80? No. Who knows if they're really going to do that, right? No. So. No, they just they play behind the ball. I mean, look at the stats. They had thirty-five percent possession, um, three shots on target, a lot more fouls than Man City. It's just classic Conte ball, and they got the little bounce because they're playing against a team that you know they're a team that they're the boogeyman of. And I think in classic Spurs fashion, they're playing Leicester this weekend. I think they'll probably lose or draw that game, and then it's again one step forward, two steps back. Conte raging and moaning, complaining about how the board isn't backing him while he pretty much benches all of his new transfers. And I think you do this Jekyll and Hyde routine and then you finish somewhere around fifth or sixth because you slip up against teams you probably shouldn't have again. You probably shouldn't have slipped up against. So, Yeah, so in terms of an Arsenal fan, my hatreds for Chelsea, Manchester United, and Liverpool sometimes I think is actually more than the hatred I have for Tottenham. So I was able to just... Tottenham haven't given you anything to hate like they haven't really threatened for trophies in years, so I mean, that, I mean that yeah. makes sense. I, I will say I think out of all the teams that are like not going to finish in the top four, I think Liverpool are in the most danger. Um, they don't really have players they can sell in the summer and offload. Um, their ownership group isn't the wealthiest; they don't have that much money. I think they've been spending way too much money on attacking players when they really they really needed was um, a few midfielders and probably a few center backs. Um, I think that's a team that could potentially be a bit worse than what we've seen for the next few years. Chelsea, a lot of new transfers, a lot of money. Could end up being a nice new project if they dump some of their older players, but we'll see. But yeah, out of all those teams, I think Liverpool's probably the most screwed right now. Yeah, I mean, they're also, just like Manchester United, they're also looking to sell right now or take on new investors Whatever yeah. happens with that whole search that they're that both of those teams doing, mm-hmm. uh, 
there's going to be some change there. Mm-hmm. But you're absolutely right. Like their transfer policy has just been nonsensical. Like it doesn't really make sense why they haven't replaced their older aging center backs plus their older aging central midfielders. I don't mm-hmm. really get why that ha- didn't happen. It doesn't no, really make sense. I, I don't know. It's either Klopp thinking that the midfielders he has right now are still good or can still play at that level. Or it's him trusting his center backs too much. I don't know. But you have to remember, with the system he plays, some people do say he tends to run his players into the ground. Just the constant, you know, counter-pressing does not help players age well into their 30s. And, I mean, we saw a little similar thing in Dortmund. You know, they were kind of lounging in the league when he left at the time, and um, their squad was barren. But he's still a good manager. Um wouldn't sack him calls the sack of a crazy in my opinion but yeah he he's got some soul searching to do regarding some of his older players um but yeah the money is a problem and i really think for liverpool they just got to get new owners um i think the boston red sox owner john henry is their main owner and yeah it, it seems like historically he's more apt to spend on baseball rather than football and, and i think also that's another problem they have with him owning the team so yeah yeah i mean they've got well, their whole their baseball strategy was Moneyball, right? Right. Um, so they but were, they still gave up the contracts, like they yeah. They're still over to time show they gave up the contracts, but their idea was to find value where others hadn't. Mm-hmm. And for a certain amount of time with Liverpool, they did right. Mm-hmm. But now that the market has changed, and everyone can find value or inflate value where it's not there. Mm-hmm. You can't really keep up with that if you're nope. that's that's your type of strategy or that's the type of money that you're spending. That's the way you're spending your money, right? Well, and, and you so, can't afford to make mistakes. And right now, Darwin Nunez is looking like a really expensive mistake. Yeah. Uh, again, he could come good, but man, he's looked pretty bad. So. Yeah. All right. Let's finish this out. Um, or let's 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 do European places and then relegation. Yep. Uh, I think that for sure. For me, at least, I think a Europe League spot is for sure going to Brighton. I just, I don't know mm. why I feel this way, but they're so consistent. They're playing good football. And, you know, Kaoru Mitoma is just taking the whole league by storm. They've developed, Yee. you know, Evan Ferguson into a decent striker that will work. Uh, mm-hmm. They didn't really need to do anything about the fact that Leandro Trosser decided to leave. Like, it didn't really affect their form. Mm-hmm. I think that they can stay around Europe League. And then probably Chelsea will be the other Europa League spot, right? That's- Maybe. I, I think it'd be more hilarious to see Chelsea in the Europa Conference just to see the tears of Chelsea fans. But you're right. No, I think Brighton probably do finish in the Europa League. I could even see them with an outside shot of entering the top four. But yeah, I think Brighton's the perfect example of a mid-tier team doing good business. You know, buying and scouting players for a good price and then selling them for a profit. Um you know, the romantic side of me would actually like to see Brighton finish top four this year. I think it'd be awesome to see um, them in the Champions League. They could make some noise. But, um, yeah, I, I see them, Europa League. Uh, Europa Conference League, Brentford or or Chelsea. I, I don't I don't trust Fulham. Yeah, one of those teams, Brentford or Chelsea, I could see snagging the Conference League spot. And then I think, yeah, Brighton gets the Europa League spot. So Yeah. I mean... Five through 10 is separated by 10 points, and it's Tottenham, Brighton, Brentford, Fulham, Chelsea, Liverpool, right? Yeah. Um, it's a whole mess in the middle. Yeah. There's three spots available. I think there's three spots available for those lower tier European confer- uh, European places, depending on what happens in the Cups, right? So yeah, we'll kind of see confusing. how that shakes out. But yeah. overall, it's kind of so, it's so great to see play, like teams like... Brighton and Hove, Brentford and Fulham, so high up this late in the season. It's cool. It's really mm-hmm. cool. And then the drop zone. Oof, the drop zone is. is <laughs> Frank okay. Lampoon. Ah, uh, he's not even there anymore. He was that much of a fraud. Shouldn't even been there in the first place. He got put in a spliff, uh, as the English brethren say. Just this guy. I just want to take a minute to hate on him is the biggest fraud of a manager I've ever seen. Like, talk about milking your name to get a job you don't deserve. Like, the ultimate case of nepotism or just branding or having a great manager. I just... He had no tactics at Chelsea. The stats were awful on that team. They had really good attacking players at the time. Tuchel comes in. They win a Champions League. Goes to Everton. Drops on right away again. 
uh, just for me, um, I would it would be hilarious for me if Everton go down. I their fans seem awesome, but it's an, also a miserable part of London of England. Um, and I, I feel bad for any EPL team that has to travel there. So yeah, go go down, go down, to, go down to the um, the EFL. Go 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 down to the second division and then come back up later. Um, I think Southampton are screwed though for sure. Um, but again, Leeds too is right above that drop zone. And unfortunately, you know our American brethren Jesse Marsh got sacked I think yesterday. So man, I, I think Everton, Southampton, and. Uh, I think born. I think the way it is right now, but I could also see Leeds going down. I don't know. Bournemouth maybe might survive, but yeah, I mean, I think Everton and Southampton for sure are, are done. Okay, so in terms of our Korean rooting interest, we do not want Wolverhampton Wanderers to go down, and I don't think no. a Julian Lopetic, Lopetegi team is going to go down anyway. They've looked no, better since he's there. I, I don't think Wolves or West Ham are going down. I just too much pride and and still too much skill in those teams to to be relegated i think they'll flirt with the drop zone but i don't think they're going down yeah. oh man thank you for bringing up west ham that's the team i want to go down the most uh, <laughs> i just never feel great about west ham i think that would be really funny so for me actually let me tell you my the teams that i think would be the most funny mm-hmm. if they went down mm-hmm. and why i would like them to go down mm-hmm. uh, i think it'd be quite hilarious if west ham go down uh i just think that like David Moyes, I, I feel at this point he might be washed. Um, <laughs> they've bought him decent players like Skamaka. They've bought him. Uh, they've gotten him. Um, who's the they have like who's the Brazilian player they have now? Uh, uh Coutinho? No, no, Coutinho's at um Aston Villa. No. Um, let me see West. Oh, uh, they bought uh Lucas. No, no, who they who they buy? They buy. Yeah, they bought Lucas Paqueta, Paqueta. They bought Paqueta. Yeah, they bought Paqueta. So they so, have yeah. Lucas Paqueta. Um, they have Declan Rice in their midfield, right? Like, yeah. I think Jared Bowen. It, Jared not a bad Bowen's player. a good player. Mikel yeah. Antonio. Uh, Lanzini. Fabianski. Yeah, solid goalkeeper. I think uh, it would be really funny if that group of talent goes down. Um, I think it would yeah. be really, really funny if Leicester City goes down as well. I think that would be hilarious because that's also a decently talented team, but a team that, you know, I think what happened with Leicester City's project, their whole thing was they stopped finding talent where no one else was finding it. And then when everyone else decided to buy their talent, yeah. uh, they just didn't know how to replace it. Like Wesley yeah. Fafana turns into Vout Fias, who is not, you know, that great of a center back. Um, Jamie Vardy is so past it, but they never bought a new striker. Like they tried with Patson Daka, Kilechi Ihiacha. Like they don't have a, a new guy to replace Jamie Vardy. And then it kind of means that the end product is that they're only really great attacking guys, James Madison. So, and then he's not always super. Oh, into no, it. they're definitely a candidate to go down next year, too, if they don't get in some better players in the summer. Yeah. So that's, that's my second team that I think would be hilarious if they went down. And then I think the third team is i don't so i think it, the problem for me in, in predicting the relegation race and like why i can't do it properly is because there are there are teams in there right now that are going to get relegated in the in like 18 to 20 places that i like um i'm okay with everton <laughs> i think that they're too big of a team they're building too big of a stadium on the the you know the harbor side of liverpool to go down and then my boss when i worked in korea was a huge southampton fan so i can't root for them to go down or i can't think it would be funny for them to go down because i know just how sad it would make him um, so my third team that i just don't really like is crystal palace <laughs> i would love if patrick Vieira's team went down they're they're not going down though too far up in table right now yeah. <laughs> or like nottingham forest i yeah. don't know like it's hard for me to pick three teams to go down i don't want to pick leads either but i think they're they're probably like the most realistic candidate so i would say like my three candidates in terms of funniness or realism is west ham Leicester city and leeds and then mm-hmm. somehow everton bournemouth and southampton get it together probably mm-hmm. won't happen but I'll laugh really hard if two of these teams come right. I, I would really laugh hard if West Ham and Leicester City get relegated. I think that would be, oh, it'd, be a, it'd be a disaster. I mean, West Ham's a London club going down to the second division. That's, that's unthinkable. 
um Leicester, I think, yeah, I mean, six years, seven years removed from winning the championship, like winning the um, Premier League going down is also crazy. But yeah, I mean, I, I think right now, I don't think the drop zone will change much, but I, I think I would say, okay, so the two teams that are not in the drop zone right now that I think have the greatest chance of going down are definitely West Ham and Leeds. And I, I know that's easy to say because they're, they have the less points, like the least points, but I don't like the way either of them have been playing, but Man, I don't know. Leeds buying all those American players and then going down again—that'd be a real disaster too. I think. I think the biggest disaster though for any team close to the drop zone would be Leeds, just with the money they spent in the transfer window, uh, the firing Marsh, who I think they had to pay a lot of money to go away. I think that would be a punch in the balls for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. I think the last thing we should say about the Premier League, though, and I think I, I'm sure you're going to agree with this, is that Brighton and Hove Albion are the new Leicester City. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. All right, let's go to the Bundesliga. I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. Is it possible that Bayern could lose the Bundesliga? Uh, No. Actually, you know what? Yes, they can. Because they have a very inexperienced manager, um, Julian Nagelsmann, who I I think he's very smart. I think he's a good manager. I think he knows what he's doing, but I still think he's quite inexperienced. Um, maybe he doesn't command the respect of all the veterans in the locker room. And I think the reason I'll say yes, and I changed my mind just now, is because there have been a lot of reports this year, especially more than most, of issues in the locker room, um, internal strife. And we're seeing it like being confirmed with Manuel Neuer um, breaking his leg on vacation, skiing, and then... Bayern Munich coming out and firing the goalkeeping coach, Tony Teplopovic, who's been with the club since 2011 and who's basically Neuer's best friend. And then Neuer giving an explosive interview to The Athletic, which he probably shouldn't have done, and then pissing off the board even more. So you see there's problems. Like There's there's some issues in that locker room that um, have been, I think, festering for a while. Um, and I think just based on chemistry alone, yes, we could see Bayern slipping up and losing the league, but even so, I just I can't... I don't trust. I don't trust Union Berlin. I sure as hell don't trust Dortmund. So it just—if it was any other league, I would say, yeah, Bayern don't win the league this year. But just given the lack of competition in the Bundesliga, I, I just yes, it's a it's a possibility. But do I think it's going to happen? No. Uh, do I think Bayern are going to win the 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 Champions League or the DFB Pokal? Probably not. But. I, I, yeah, I, I don't, I still can't see them losing the Bundesliga. I, I just can't. It's just hard. Like, you know, it's been what, 10 straight winning seasons, 10 or 11. So something really bad, like even worse, I think would have to happen for them to lose it. Um, because Neuer's hurt. He's out for the entire season. So even if he wants to, to moan and complain about how they treated his goalkeeping coach, it won't matter because Jan Summer's in between the sticks for, for the rest of the year. And I think they'll just keep Neuer away from the locker room until, until the summer, which they might have to deal with then. But, Right now, I think there's enough there to hold uh, hold their heads above water. Could the really bad thing that happened be like RB Leipzig winning it, and then just like just the <laughs> absolute craziness of yeah. the negativity of Bundesliga fans having to celebrate RB Leipzig as the new yeah. Bundesliga? I mean, yeah, no, I mean happened? nobody likes. Yeah, I mean it, it could, but I just think all these teams have problems and. With Leipzig, um, their problem has always been all their good players already have a step, a foot out the door. Um, they're all plotting their escape to either Bayern or, or bigger teams. I mean, look what happened to them. They lost their best defender, Upamakano, to Bayern. Nagelsmann, uh, Conrad Leimer has already been confirmed to moving to Bayern in the summer. So he has, he's already got one foot out the door. So I just think that, yes, they have talent, but the team is either too distracted or just not good enough to, to challenge for the title. I, I will say if... If one team does supplant Bayern this year for the title, I, I think it's Dortmund. Um, big surprise there. They're usually second best anyway. I just um, they've they've been playing well in recent games. Um, they've also been getting goals from their center backs. Uh, Nico Schlotterbeck's been playing quite well. But again, they leak a lot. They're not very good defensively, so I, I just don't trust them. But if I put money on another team, it'd be them. But again, I'll believe it when I see it, man. All right, my last Bundesliga question for a guy that watches the Bundesliga a little bit more than I do. Do you think that SC Freiburg can make the Champions League play, uh, places for, for the first time? 
Oh yeah, absolutely. They're only like two points behind Leipzig, who are in fourth. Um, I think Freiburg's one team, one example of of a Bundesliga mid tier team that's been kind of doing things the right way, quote unquote. Um, investing in uh, cheaper, younger players. You know, having a good scouting department and then selling them for a profit. Um, you know, having a really good manager. Um, that plays a uh, a particular style of football that um is kind of um how do I say a caters to, to the talent that he has. And I, I really think like you talked about, you can almost think of them as kind of the Lester or the Brighton of the Bundesliga. I think Christian strikes a great manager and I think he has a good project going there. Um, and yeah, the two points separates them. Uh, I could absolutely see them finishing fourth. Um, do I think they will? Uh, maybe I give them like a 40% chance, but It'd also be cool to see them in the Europa League too, because whether they play Europa or Champions League, I think they can make some noise either way. Also, shout out Frankfurt. Frankfurt's another team that's underrated. They won the Europa League last year. That's another example of a German team with limited finances that does um, enough with what they have. So, yeah, I, I don't watch enough of the Bundesliga, but whenever I do, it is really fun to watch. So it's good to see new teams getting closer to the top in terms of points value, right? Like Mm -hmm. we are past the halfway point of the Bundesliga and there are six teams within, you know, six points of the lead now. So that's, that's, that's a lot better. I think usually at this time of the season, Bayern have probably opened up a larger gap on second place. Mm -hmm. And there's a bit more of a gap between them and the chasing pack in the top you know, two to five or two to six places. So this is a little bit more competitive. This is going to be a little bit more fun. A league that I don't think will be competitive just because of what's going on with Italy is, or mm-hmm. in Italy at Juve mm-hmm. is Serie A. I think at this point, actually, with the lead that Kim min and Napoli have, they're winning their first Serie A title since the 1989-1990 season. Oh, yeah. I had to look that up yesterday because I wasn't sure how long it had been, but wow, it's been a long time. Yeah, that, that's like what, Diego Maradona era, right? It's been a long time, and you know what? They deserve it, man. I think they have probably played, out of all the big European teams, the most attractive football, like consistently throughout the year. Um, and I'm just really happy for Kimi and Jay. I think the move to Napoli was perfect. I know some people weren't too sure, but I thought it was a perfect fit. You know, go to the place where they teach the art of defending and He's been, um, he's made had made a seamless transition into the Napoli starting eleven, and um, Napoli man is really one team I just love watching. I, I, that's that's actually my dark horse candidate. I know we're talking about Italy specifically, but that's my dark horse candidate to to win, to potentially win it all in the Champions League this year. Yeah, I didn't want to spend too much time on Serie A specifically, but let's go mm-hmm. straight into the Champions League. So yeah. your dark horse candidate is Napoli. Can um, we even call them a dark horse if they're first in Italy though? Shouldn't we say they're a contender? Like, yeah, I think now that they, they might be like coming into the contenders tier mm-hmm. or favorites tier. So, mm-hmm. but sort lower of like, tier. yeah, yeah. Let's go into these round of sixteen ties and let's make some predictions. Let's have some fun with it, okay? Okay. All right, I got a tie for you right here. RB Leipzig, Manchester City. It starts in two weeks. What do you guys think? What do you oh. think? So I think. Pep always has his like mad scientist moment, but it won't be here. I think he has enough experience in the Bundesliga to know how Leipzig will play. Um, I think Leipzig will score some goals though because they are an attacking minded team and cause Man City some problems. But I don't think this is the stage where Man City get knocked out. I have Man City advancing. Um, yeah, but I, I think Leipzig puts up a little bit of a fight. I agree. I think Leipzig can put up a fight, but. Let's, let's give it to Man City. All yeah. right, the next one. Club Brugge, mm-hmm. uh, Benfica. I'm going to go with Club Brugge because I feel mm. like I know Benfica just lost Enzo Fernandez. Is that right? Yeah, yeah they did. I think that that's, that's going to be a big deal. That could mm-hmm. be, you know, that's that might be one of the surprises. I don't think that there's necessarily a huge favorite in this tie anyway, but I, I'm going to go with Club Brugge from Belgium. Yeah, no, they they actually have some decent players. If you look at their team, um, they got uh, that one uh, Vanakin kid who's actually not not that bad of a player. Hans Vanakin, uh, well, he's not a kid, but pretty good, solid midfielder. Um, I got um, Roman Yaramchuk. I've heard that name in a while. Uh, the Ukrainian. Um, so they they have talent. Um, I, I'm 
I'm still going to go for Benfica. I, I know losing Enzo Fernandez in the middle of the park is, is, is a big deal, but I, I still think the favorites will will be good enough to pull through. And, and Benfica is another team I think that still prides itself on consistently making the Champions League. So I'll, I'll take Benfica on this one. All right, up next, a glamour draw for the round of 16. Liverpool versus Real Madrid, what do you think? Yeah, see, um, if it was any other year, I we actually know, what am I saying? This is actually maybe one of the more unpredictable ones because both teams are playing like crap. <laughs> um, and when they're both playing like crap, I just defer to royalty and to the team that knows how to get it done no matter how bad they play domestically, and that's Real Madrid. I think... Carlo Ancelotti has rightfully been dubbed the godfather of the UCL because he has that black magic of of pushing the right buttons and making the right decisions at the key moments to to send Real Madrid through no matter the odds. And I just think Klopp just doesn't have it this year. And I think Liverpool are running to the ground. And I think uh, Real Madrid will just add to the misery uh, that the fans in Anfield have been feeling this season. All right. I have nothing to add to that. That was very well said. Let's Thank go you. to the next one. Tottenham Hotspur versus AC Milan. See, again, two teams that aren't playing the best, right? I think AC Milan have been dropping a lot of games recently, and they're all the way down to like the middle of the table in Serie A. But they're playing, again, a guy in Conte, who I've, I've heard this on a different podcast. This, another guy said that he would basically play five at the back in a charity match. <laughs> so it, it it's... This is a tough one as well because it's an Italian manager coming against an Italian team that he's played a lot because he, he was the manager for their rivals. But again, I, I just don't trust Tottenham in the Champions League. I don't trust Conte in this type of competition. And I think Milan will will eke out an ugly, ugly uh, uh, victory in the second leg. And I could even see this going to penalties and see Milan winning it that way. But yeah, I, I just I can't take Spurs in a competition like this, with, especially with the way they've been playing. So, yeah, I'm going to disagree. Okay. I'm going to disagree. I think that uh, this might be one of the last bits of glory that Tottenham can go for in mm-hmm. this season. So I think that it's possible that they could just put everything that they have into the, the this competition and they could try to go on a run. So I think it could start here. I think it will be close. You're absolutely right. Neither of these teams are playing all that great. And both of these teams are probably going to go kind of defensive. So could be mm-hmm. close, but I'm going to give it to Tottenham Hotspur. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, also it depends on who's hosting the second leg. I think the first leg's in San Siro, so the second leg's going to be at in in, in London, so that, that could also play a part. Um, yeah, this is really 50-50, but I'm still sticking with Milan. But yeah, I could totally see Tottenham stealing this one too. So, All right. Next up, Eintracht Frankfurt versus Napoli. And mm. yeah. You know what? I think this this uh, this matchup it will be closer than most people give Frankfurt credit for. I still think Napoli go through, but I, I think Frankfurt are a sneaky good team, and there there's a reason they're there. Um, I'm gonna go on a limb and say maybe even this is one that goes to extra time in the second leg, and Napoli pulls it out. Yeah, I think it's gonna be high scoring too, right? Yeah, that's what. Yep, exactly. High scoring fun. Yep. All right. Borussia Dortmund versus Chelsea. Oh, that's I'm going to just you know say what? it. Yeah. I don't think Chelsea has any shot in this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, what you said about Tottenham kind of applies with Chelsea. This is probably like the only chance, like slight chance of winning anything True. this year, right? Again, so this is the one they'll go balls out for because it was not a waste of time. But again, you're right. I just, with the way Dortmund have been playing, especially offensively and scoring goals, um, I just. It seems like Chelsea just can't do anything right. Like, the best I hope for with Chelsea is a draw at this point. I mean, they look completely disjointed. It looks like they're just playing, just throwing random players out into starting lineup who haven't even had, you know, enough trading sessions to get to know each other. And I agree with you, Mike. I think um, Dortmund probably, I'd say, win this one comfortably, too. Despite the fact that the leak, I don't. I just don't think Chelsea scores enough to, to, to win at this stage of the competition. Yeah. All right, we got two more ties. The next yeah. one is Inter Milan, Porto. Mm-hmm. Ooh, um, no, I, I still think Inter pulls this off. Um, you know they're not doing terribly in the domestic league. It's just that Napoli's been running away with it. Um, I still like a lot of the players that they have in their team. Um, 
I a big fan of actually Robin Gozins, who hasn't played a lot this year, but he's also another really solid wing back that they have. You know, Inter is one of those teams that has a system, a set system that they use. Uh, really strong at the back, really strong in goal. Um, and Porto's again, Porto's just one of those UCL teams that they always make it and they always get knocked out early, like in the round of sixteen or maybe the quarterfinals. So I think Inter win this one. No, no, no big issues. I'm just gonna go out on a limb and say uh, Porto upset special. Mm, okay. Oh, well, they're definitely Jamal capable of backing it up. But I don't know. Maybe maybe Inter Milan choking this one. All right, yeah, let's go well, to the last one. Yeah. This one's gonna be a good one. <laughs> Harry Sancho, man. Bayern Munich. Yeah. What do you think? Um, the kind of the heavyweight matchup of this round, and you know, two teams that have been very familiar played each other multiple times over the past you know few years. Um, I think this one is one of the more like it, it couldn't be even more evenly matched. Um, just I think problems plaguing both teams right now. PSG not playing well at all. Uh, Bayern looking very healthy, helter skelter. Mbappe, I think he's going to miss the first leg. That's that's huge again. Um, the thing is, you know, Bayern, in my opinion, don't really match up too well with with PSG. And I just what I mean by that is, you know, Bayern, like the German national team, doesn't enjoy defending against teams that like vertical that like to play vertically that have forwards that like to play vertically and that's Mbappe's entire game and I think even if he misses the first leg which he probably will I think he has enough in the tank to cause damage to Bayern's defense which has been ravaged by injuries in the second leg uh, to get PSG through as a Bayern fan you know I would love for them to win but realistically speaking I just think um too many injuries in the back line to 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 prevent um you know Mbappe and, and Messi getting loose and I think it's a close another close two legs uh but I think PSG probably wins in a shootout not an actual I'm penalty shootout but yeah yeah I'm surprised you didn't back your boys a little bit more I'm gonna no, just look, say that I I predict a, an embarrassing exit for Paris Saint-Germain in the one tournament that they no. won all the time well, yeah, but the, so you're right. You're right. I PSG is going to poop their pants and not get knocked out early. Is it is it the round of 16? I don't know. They could always face Real Madrid in the next round and get knocked out early. Then I I would love for them to get embarrassed by Bayern. It would be hilarious. All the money they spend, all the talk they've done and to get knocked out in the round of 16 would be amazing. It's just that I don't trust the defense right now. Um, Lucas Hernandez basically tore up his knee at the World Cup. He's out for a long time. Uh, Delict, he's playing all right. Been a little inconsistent. Oop, Meccano's back there. Uh, Pavard, I think, has been playing the center of defense. You know, I will say the the Jao Cancelo signing is big uh, with Masraoui being out for a while uh, at the right pack position. So I, I think Cancelo could maybe help shift the tide towards Bayern. Right now, I'm still going to take PSG, but... I'm not super confident in that pick either. This is, again, one of those games I can go back and forth. Um, for fun, I just want to see a penalty shootout, actually. And I know it's crazy to say that for my team to do that because, you know, my heart levels will rise. But I would love for us to take them to a penalty shootout and beat them in a penalty shootout and look at the faces of uh, their chairman and Messi and Mbappe as they crash out of the UCL in heartbreaking fashion. I like that prediction at the end. Okay. Yes. We've gone through the ties. Um, I don't think that we necessarily have all of the knowledge to pick every single European competition winner, but let's do let's try to do two. Let's do Champions League and Europa League. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to preface this by saying that I would like to see Arsenal win the Europa League. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I, honestly, given the way that Arsenal have been playing um, this year, I think. This is the one trophy you for sure can win, but my question is, given the pack schedule, how much resources are you going to allocate to the EPL? How much are you going to resource the Europa League? How much are you going to allocate uh, to the cup ties that you have? So it, it's, it's, a, it's a tricky balance that Arteta has to manage. You guys are still in one of the cups. I think you got knocked out of one of them, but you're still in the other one, right? There's so many cups in England no. these days that We're out you're out of, of all of them? Okay, we're, we're out of both. <laughs> sorry um well you know what that could play into your hands because now you can only focus on the europa league and and the epl so 
Yeah, but man, there are, there are some good teams in the Europa League. I don't think people give the Europa League enough credit. I, honestly, I, I hate to say this, but I, I could see Man Man United winning the Europa League. I could see Ten Heisenberg winning a trophy in his first year at Man at, at Man United as well. That's gonna uh, make some of our Fighting Stripes boys really happy. Yeah, that'd be your I nightmare, know Mark right? Likes them. I know Kevin likes them. Yeah, it would be my nightmare. I'm really <laughs> yeah. not a big fan of Man United ever winning anything i don't like them so okay so you're gonna go man united i'm gonna go arsenal mm-hmm. let's see champions league who are you gonna go with oh well you know psg gonna poop their pants Bayern nagelsman still too young still too many issues Dortmund, Chelsea, forget about it. Milan, Tottenham, forget about it. Club Bruges, Benfica, nope. Liverpool, nope. Uh, Real Madrid, in another year, yes. I just think they don't have the legs right now. I'm going to say Napoli. 2023 UCL winners. First ever. Has a Korean ever won the Champions League? Did Pak Chizong win it? I think he did, right? No, he never yeah, he won it. Okay. Won. No, he, he won no, it, he right? Did, he did. Okay, yeah. but he didn't start every game. Like, he was more of a utility player. So, yeah. you will see the Korean monster holding up that beautiful, beautiful big silver trophy come June, July-ish. Um, yeah, I mean, like, tactically speaking, a betting man would pick Man City. But again, Man City is like the English version of PSG. Just something about them, something about their players, and something about their manager just makes me think that hell will freeze over before I see them lift that trophy. And it's great. I'm now a fan of Man City. I love it when they're miserable. And I think we'll see an Italian team lift that that trophy for the first time in a long time. Yeah. Napoli, screw it. Napoli winners. All right. I'm, I'm too scared to make that kind of like... <laughs> so I'm going to go with just the tried and true Real Madrid win it again. Coward but smart. <laughs> I mean, I'm not putting any money on this because I, I don't watch enough of these teams to know, but obviously Dude, if, Napoli would be a great story. I still think M- probably. M- but. Madrid win the Champions League again with the way they've been playing and with like their midfield aging as much as they have been, I think we can make the argument that Carlo Ancelotti is like, if not the best ever manager in European competition history, like, top two up there with Ferguson like mm-hmm. for sure and even supplanting Guardiola if he wins like another UCL trophy like that would be incredible um and I mean that's the thing that's dogging Guardiola right now is that he has never won the Champions League outside of Barcelona right and that's yep. his his Mount Everest to climb right he still has to figure that out how can I win it outside of Barcelona right so that's his sort of thing to work on but I don't see it happening. I think there's just a lot going on at that club right now with their situation. I don't think they can focus on winning the Champions League right now. I don't think they can really win anything big right now. I just, it's hard to say, but Mm, um, all right. We've talked about a lot of stuff here. I want to look to the future and I want to give you a chance to plug something big that's coming up for fighting stripes, my man. All right. So big announcement. Uh, I was lucky enough to get into touch with somebody I used to work with at KBS And this person was gracious enough to pass along the contact info of the former assistant manager of the South Korean national team, Mr. Sergio Costa. The interview has been recorded. It is being edited and subtitled as we speak. It will be coming out soon, uh, probably maybe a few days after this pod is out very shortly. It's going to be a full-length interview about uh, not just his time in Qatar, but kind of even some tidbits about his time with the national team in the locker room, the things he saw, the dynamic, um, a little bit about his coaching career and also his personal life in Korea. Just a great uh, encompassing interview um, with a great manager, you know, just um, a great guy in Mr. Costa. I'm really happy for all the success that he's had. And it's going to be a great chance for, um, um, I think, Korean football to, to get more recognition and exposure and more importantly for you know fighting stripes to continue making our mark as we gear up uh towards the 2026 world cup which is now about around three years away and 
just a great opportunity and we're really excited and we hope you guys enjoy it um it'll be posted on youtube and it'll also be available in an audio file as well so looking forward to it i'm just it, it's gonna be great I, I i can't explain how excited i am for this project to come out nice yes we will um leave a link to our youtube page in the description box below uh, we are so excited uh albert did a great job with that interview you guys are gonna love it um and yeah it should be up really soon super excited to get to interview him so great stuff albert yeah and also to our listeners if you guys have any like recommendations for future interview guests or you know other ideas always feel free to contact me or mike on social media or leave a comment you know we always appreciate the feedback so keep it coming mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. For this podcast, the next episode, we're going to try to get a, a really good expert on the K-League to sort of introduce the teams. But I think for now, yeah, that's it for us. This has been a really good podcast. You've gotten a lot of stuff on the European season. Get ready for the second half. Other than that, we'll see you soon. All right, guys. Peace.